Hey, welcome to the Bioinformatics Chat. Today I'm talking to Jennifer Liu. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you for including me on this. <laughs> Could you tell us a bit about yourself? So I am a PhD candidate at Johns Hopkins University. I work with、um, Dr. Steven Salzberg, who has worked on a number of genome assembly projects、um, in the past, and mainly we're a computational lab that develops software for analyzing various、um, genomic datasets. So your background is in、uh, computing or, or biology. I actually have a、um, a bachelor's degree in chemical and biomolecular engineering from Johns Hopkins, and a minor in computer science. So when I wanted to start my PhD, I really wanted to combine the、uh, bio biology background and computer background that I had, and kind of put it towards I don't know some interesting project <laughs> in the biomedical fields. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Bracken, which is one of your works. But I noticed that since then you worked on like very different projects, not related to metagenomics. Is that right? What sort of the vision of your uh, uh, PhD thesis? So I don't have a concrete PhD thesis, but generally all of my projects revolve around、uh, the idea that we can use all of the. Genetic information that we have right now, so all of the different genomes that are already assembled、um, and finished, and use those to help diagnose human infections. And so, a lot of it is relating to metagenomic datasets,、um, microbiome datasets specifically, in that we're trying to be able to sequence, I guess, an infection from any patient. And try to figure out what they have using the software that we have. And so, Bracken was kind of the next step from Kraken, which is one of the main、um, pieces of software that we use to try to identify what is causing this infection, what is in that sample that we got. Because、um, essentially, the steps that we have from patient to, I guess, when it comes to my computer, is we get the sample from the patient. We try to Amplify, extract any of the DNA from that patient,、um, sequence it, and then all of that data,、uh, all of that data from the shotgun sequencing goes to us, and we run Kraken and Centrifuge and Bracken、um, to try to figure out what is actually affecting and infecting the patient. So, do you collaborate closely with a hospital? Well, we have、uh, a number of collaborators at Johns Hopkins Hospital,、um, and then within even the Johns Hopkins network, we have a number of pathologists that are also part of this project.、Um, a couple other professors, and then a couple other、um, clinical doctors that have patients that are currently or have in the past.、Um, been infected with either unknown or known pathogens,、um, and so that's. Basically, where everything, where all of my projects kind of revolve around, and so Bracken was just like the first project of mine, and it was just like this is one part of our software puzzle that needs to be solved, and so that's what I focused on first, and then I moved on to、um, more just databases and having the genomes themselves. Yeah, interesting. So I want to talk about Bracken, which is which is your tool. But in order to understand that, I think it's crucial to also understand 
Kraken, which is sort of uh, built upon. And uh, so I recorded a podcast, I think it was episode number seven, which uh, listeners could go to. But can you remind briefly what Kraken is and how it works and uh, why it's not enough by itself? Why is there a need for Bracken? So Kraken is a classification tool developed by Derek Wood, who was a, a PhD student in Stephen's lab. And essentially, at the time of the development of Kraken, shock and sequencing was becoming more and more popular. And so there is just like an abundance of um, DNA. So I think a lot of people already know about like um, BLAST, which is a great tool where you have like a few sequences, a few genomic sequences that you're trying to classify and figure out what they belong to. Um but when you have a data set where you're, when you sequence with Illumina or any other sequencer, you end up with possibly billions of DNA sequences and running blasts for all of them is just unfeasible. And so Kraken was actually developed, um, to be a sequence classification tool to try to take all of that data and really give you a comprehensive overview of like what all of those sequences are. And so it's a different technique to some of the other ones out there, but it essentially works on exact camera matches. Um, the default is 31 MERS, um, where it looks for um, the exact... It takes every sequence that you're given every sequence in your data set, and it looks for exact 31 MERS that match their database to oversimplify <laughs> what the algorithm actually is. But it also identifies the fact that there's a lot of genomic sequences out there that are identical across genomes, across species, even across gen genuses. And so instead of trying to arbitrarily choose which um, species a sequence might belong to, even though it might be identical across, like that 100 base pairs might be identical across different species, it'll give the lowest common ancestor. So a lot of people already use Kraken um, for their classification work, but I think the reason why we decided to make Bracken is we actually found that a number of people were assuming that Kraken was giving you um, species abundance numbers. And they, as a result, because Kraken just doesn't even try to push everything to the species level, but gives you the lowest common ancestor of what it's certain that that read belongs to, we decided to make Bracken um, because Kraken's just going to strand reads at higher taxonomic levels just on the basis of what the classification algorithm does. Um, and on the basis that if you have a 100 base pair read that is identical across different species, Kraken wants to give you the most accurate classification that it can. And so it's just going to put it at the genus level, for example. Um, but because people really wanted to use Kraken's data to do species abundance, that's when we decided to um, make Bracken. And I think that's something to emphasize is that Bracken is not um, going to give you exact, exact, exact um, species abundance. But the reason why we say that it's estimating the species abundance is because you really can't tell necessarily if you have a hundred base pairs that's identical between two different species, you really can't tell exactly which species it came from. Um, not in the way that our algorithm works and not in just like 
general. If you know that this is 100 base pairs that's identical between two species, I don't think anyone would be able to tell you which species it came from. Um, so we actually created Bracken to be a more probabilistic method where it's trying to help you identify where that, or estimate where the reeds might have originated from. Yeah, so the core, not sort of deficiency, but maybe the core thing that Kraken doesn't do is assigning uh, sequence reads to the species level, right? Because if it assigned sequence reads to the species level, you can just you could just count them and normalize, and you would get roughly the the abundance, right? But this is where I'm a bit confused because when I'm reading the Kraken paper, it tells me that it builds this tree, the taxonomic tree, and then uh, it assigns each kamer to the uh to, to like various nodes of the taxonomic mm-hmm. tree but then when it classifies the whole sequence which consists of multiple kamers it finds the leaf in the tree which has the maximum root to leaf so if you uh, construct the path from the root of the taxonomic tree to the leaf and you sum up the scores along that path so it finds the leaf which has the maximum uh sum of scores and uh, right. I don't, I don't quite see how you could end up at the genus level. Oh, well, because right. genus is not a leaf, right? And it looks for the maximum uh, root to leaf path. Well, so the tree that we're talking about, it's so it constructs this scoring tree for every read. So it doesn't construct the scoring tree for all of the reads. And so I think the thing to note that is if you have, um, I'm just going with the arbitrary 100 base pairs, 100 base pair read, and every single camera within that read can only be classified as specifically at the genus level, it's not going to give you a leaf classification. The leaf is going to be that genus. So the way that the database is created is that every single camera from the entire database, it's given a specific taxonomic ID based on like where it falls in the tree. And so when a single read is being classified, every single camera is put in that tree. But if every single camera in a single read is going to be at a higher taxonomic node, then it's just going to get that classification. Does that make more sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that was that was my confusion. So we're not looking at the taxonomic tree, but we're looking at the sort of reduced tree, which only has the the nodes that um that it found right among the camers. Yeah, um, but still, do you have any statistics, like in realistic example, how many, like what percentage of reads get mapped to not to the species level? Because I'm thinking, in order for a read to be mapped. At the genus level, it has to be like very exact sequence. I, I, I suppose there is a fair bit of uh, homology within a, a genus, but still, even like a smallest variation will pinpoint it to a maybe a species level. Because if at least one camer in that read gets sort of pushed down to the species level, that sort of destroys your uh, equilibrium, and it will never, it will never get back to the genus level. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. No, I understand. Um, So I think that the thing to note is that we're doing all of this based off of the taxonomy that NCBI provides. And so even within that taxonomy, I would say that there's a number of genuses in which the species are 
highly related. And so we use a couple of those examples, even in our Bracken paper, where we talk about the fact that different bacillus or different mycobacterium species are highly similar, like nearly 99% similar. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers. But because of that, like most, if not all of the well, most of the camers from those species are at the genus level. And so unless you had get a 100 base pair read, that somehow captures that 1% that is unique to that species, all of the camers from that um, genome are going to end up at the genus level. Right. But do, do you have a sense of like very ballpark figures? Like if we took a typical metagenomic sample, it would try to classify it with Kraken. What percentage, roughly, of reads would be at the species level, like genus level, family level? Do you have a sense of those figures? Um, I don't have them off the top of my head. I know that we've generally, our lab has run a number of samples through both Kraken and Bracken, and I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I will say that even like a few hundred reads out of like maybe 40 billion always end up even just at the bacteria level. In that, like, those, the cameras from those few hundred reads can't be classified anymore spe- uh, specifically because they're shared across bacteria that are not at all related to one another. Am I, am I correct that sort of the push for uh, creating Bracken was this uh, paper from uh, Leo Pachter's lab where um, they applied Callisto, which is normally an RNA-seq abundance estimation tool, uh, and they applied this tool to a uh, metagenomic sample and they demonstrated that it performs better than uh, Kraken but then, of course, they ignored this fact that Kraken can classify some sequences at the higher taxonomic levels. So, admittedly, that was the paper that kind of showed us that if people wanted to use Kraken as an abundance estimation tool, they were using it incorrectly. Um, and so we wanted to provide the people that use Kraken already with something that can allow them to do that abundance estimation. So... Yes, that was the bioarchive paper that we, or archive paper that we noticed um, prior to the development of Bracken. Right. So you notice that people are not using Kraken correctly. And by the way, what is the uh, correct usage of of Kraken? So before Bracken was written, right? So there was no like easily available way to transform Kraken classifications into the abundance data. Uh, what was the intended way to use uh, Kraken? What sort of information could you get out of it? I mean, very simply, it's a classification tool. So it's not meant to... It does help you kind of summarize what's in a data set, but not like at a specific taxonomic level. Um, I think for a lot of data sets, even for the ones we use, we always look at the Kraken classifications first, because I think that that provides the most um, information. I think, as you said... Um, reads at the higher taxonomic levels, it's not as useful. I think in our purposes and even in some other people's purposes, what's most interesting is what's at the genus or the species level. Um, and so we still really care about like the number of reads that we can see like across the species to genus and so on and so forth. Um, and I think that that's where Bracken has the most impact if someone wants to do um, abundance estimation at a very specific level. So I think for Kraken users, 
Um, it's a really good way to summarize what's in your data set. And I think that like having the different levels is also like really informative. That's what makes Kraken's accuracy so high is because it doesn't, um, try to assume that it's definitely from a different level, um, or it's definitely at the species level rather. Um, and so I think they have two, I think both Kraken and Bracken class, uh, classification and estimations are really useful but i think in terms of just like how you summarize your data set bracken is probably um an addition and a welcome addition to help you summarize your data set at a species or a genus level which some people aim to do in their papers or when they're just trying to summarize broadly across a data set of theirs yeah, yeah, definitely. So Bracken helps a lot, but I'm trying to understand if you only have Kraken, and uh, mm-hmm. at the time you only had Kraken, right? Right. So you're saying uh, it's a way to to summarize, but it's so it classifies. So as you said, we have a billion sequences, and if we classified each one of them, that's not really a summary. You cannot easily look at the billion taxonomic labels and, and tell anything, right? So. Uh, so one way to spa- to to summarize this data would be just have a set, like ignore all the counts, ignore all the specific sequences, just gather a set of taxonomic labels that were used, and that sort of gives you an idea of uh, what is in there. Um, but I imagine it's 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 very fragile uh, because even if a single read was classified at, at some odd. Uh, species then the species gets into the set but then you, you're saying that if we were to use this properly if we were to use kraken properly we should ignore all the count data because we cannot really summarize the count the count data is meaningless in kraken until you apply bracken so you cannot look at the counts like i imagine if your aim was to combine just a set of taxonomic labels you could do that faster and you don't you don't need much precision if you don't care about each particular sequence, you just care about like what's in there. So what I'm trying to say is that for Kraken, it wouldn't be useful to try to to try to summarize your data in percentages. I think the read numbers are really important and really um, interesting to look at. So a lot of times when we look at our data sets through the Kraken reports, or even when we're just trying to understand whether a read is truly classified at the right at the right taxonomic ID, what we really are interested in is we first look at the reports and we try to see like the distribution of numbers. So like how many reads ended up at like this genus level or how many reads were very specifically at a species level, um, and so on and so forth. And then from that we can kind of go back to the full read report where we can say like, okay, this read was classified at this species level. But like, if we blast that read, what do we get? Um, Because I think that something to note is that Kraken is, as long as one camer within that read um, matches exactly, it's going to give you a classification. But the databases that you use for Kraken isn't necessarily going to have everything in the entire world. And so what we want to do is we want to um, both confirm just to make sure that that's what that read is meant to be. And then also just like um, what Kraken really does and what it does really nicely is, is it gives you a classification for every single read. And so we can kind of go back and look at the read and be like, oh, is this a low complexity sequence? Is this a high quality sequence? Or And 
just do more analysis on the um, read level. Whereas Bracken isn't going to give you a per read um, classification. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So if, if I understand correctly what you're saying, we could use Kraken in order to find some interesting cases, maybe the ones we didn't expect. And then since it tells us which sequences it classified this way, we can sort of zoom in on them and uh, go from there. Yeah, and Bracken is much more of an overview kind of program, so it's not where you're like looking at specific reads classified at different species, but it's more when you just like want to know as a summary what's in your data set. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Bracken sounds like a great tool, but how how does it work? So we tried a number of iterations for Bracken, but essentially we didn't want to start from scratch. We didn't want to create a new abundance estimation tool, but we really wanted to provide something that people that use Kraken could use it very simply. And so um, what we do is for every classification that Kraken gives, Bracken is essentially calculating um, a Bayesian term, basically a probability of where those reads might end up. So, for example, for all the reads that end up at the mycobacterium genus level, Bracken is going to tell you what's the probability that those reads belong at MTB or MVOVIS, and it's based on those probabilities going to redistribute all of the reads at the genus level down to the species level. That's the broad spectrums of what it does. And I guess this we use Bayes' theorem because we found that this is the most accurate way to really make use of both what we know in terms of how those species might be similar or unique and kind of compare them to one another. So we use a lot of prior information in terms of what's in your database to determine like how reads from those databases might end up being distributed. Yeah, so so the way I found most useful to look at this uh, while I was reading the paper is as a uh, two-step estimation. So this is a bit contrary to what people usually understand by Bayesian analysis, because usually you have some priors, Mm -hmm. and and then uh, the data informs your likelihood, and then from there you, you get your posterior probability. But in your case, you estimate both the prior probability and the likelihood from the same data, but just looked at a different, or I guess you partition your data, right? So you you look at the uniquely mapped reads, mm-hmm. and that informs your prior, and then you use that prior to look at the reads that were sort of ambiguously mapped, right? And, yeah. and then that allows you to redistribute those ambiguous reads. Right. So the first step before you do any data set um, is to basically try to figure out how if you broke up your entire database into 100 base pair reads, like where would they end up in the tree? And then use that information to then figure out, okay, then what's the probability that these reads ended up here because they originated from this uh, specific species? And so uh, this reminds me a lot, again, what's what's going on in RNA-seq data analysis, and uh, there people usually apply the expectation maximization algorithm, which is essentially these two steps, but taken further. So we can we can um, apply the same step over and over again, right? Once we redistributed our reads, we can use that 
as our new prior. Right. And basically repeat the procedure, and we may get like slightly different numbers. And so you repeat that until it converges sufficiently, I guess. Um, so did you did you consider using that, or was that a reason you you're doing just one iteration of uh, what essentially is an EM algorithm? So I did consider whether repeating it would be useful, but I think I um, we tried this with a number of data sets and a number of simulated data sets in our databases. And I think what we found is that while we could repeat this process, I think that in just the one step, I think it was sufficient for what we were looking for. So I do remember like reading a number of papers where EM was um, expectation maximization was their main part of how they did all of the species abundance um, algorithms. But I think for me, what I really wanted is I just wanted um, what I wanted was a program that would be really useful for people that were using Kraken, but also sufficiently and I guess accurate to a degree. And so we tried a number of different ways and I based even just with the one EM step, as you called it, the accuracy was actually really high. The number of reads that were off was really low. Um, and so we calculated a number of different, I guess, methods of figuring out the accuracy. So we calculated a number of different numbers that would tell us like how accurate that algorithm is. And even with the one step, Bracken was coming really close to what it was. And I think that like something to note is that we're also basing this off of Kraken classifications. And Kraken itself is already very accurate. And we didn't want the numbers to stray too much from what Kraken was already giving us. And I think that recalculating everything would kind of go beyond what Kraken has already done for us. And Kraken's already giving you a lot of information by telling you kind of where all of the reads originated from. And so I think that to do more EM steps would kind of be ignoring the information that Kraken has already given us in terms of, and then Kraken already has very high accuracy. Well, you you wouldn't exactly be ignoring anything, right? You you'd be essentially using the same data, just uh, driving your algorithm to to convergence, as opposed to like stopping. Or and it may very well be that uh, one step is is enough, if you say so. Yeah, I do think that, so what we did try to test is, um, in one of the steps, as you said, we calculate, like, how unique each genome is. And then we, we actually did try a step where instead of using the full algorithm, we instead uses, used the uniqueness of each genome and then the number of reads very specifically classified at that genome to kind of scale up in a sense, um, to see if that would actually be accurate. And what we found is that, like, depending, it's highly sensitive to the number of reads that were actually classified at that specific um, species. Because we're running under the assumption that, like, every read from a genome is, like, in your data set. You're running under the assumption that, that the full genome was captured by all of your reads. And so when we actually tried that just simple scale up, we found that it definitely overestimated and underestimated for different genomes um, by a lot. The accuracy was far lower. And so that's why we turned instead to this, because we're trying to make use of just like what's within that particular tree. So we didn't want to recalculate for the entire tree what everything was, but we really just wanted to focus in on that tree and keep those reads within that section. 
we started to talk about accuracy and uh, did you try to compare Bracken to other tools like like Metaflan or or Callisto? So I think we did take a look at like how Bracken would differ from those other tools, but I think that something that we really fought for, I guess, even in the um, paper submission process, is we didn't want this to be just another tool trying to compete or overtake any other tool out there. But we, what we really wanted is we wanted to provide this as an additional resource for Kraken users already. Um, so many people already use Kraken, and this is something that we wanted to put out there as useful to them and not necessarily as saying that this is better than any other tool out there. Um, I think that like a number of, <laughs> a number of reviewers definitely wanted us to compare and include that in our paper, um, our program to all of the other ones out there. But I think that we, what we really fought for, um, in putting this tool out there is that this isn't meant to compete with all of the other ones. This is really meant to stand on its own with people that are already using Kraken. Um, and I think that that has already been proven useful because there's a number of people that have used Kraken that started using Bracken as well to really for their data sets, for their analyses and for their experiments. And that's really what I wanted. I do remember that we did run Metaflan um, as well. And I think we attempted to run Callisto, but we ran into problems with the software that I don't specifically remember. Um, but because it wasn't our focus, we didn't pursue that further. And the Metaflame results were pretty similar, although we didn't compare them in terms of numbers. So I don't remember the exact numbers in terms of accuracy. I don't think that necessarily um, Bracken is meant to replace Metaflame or Metaflame's better than Bracken. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, so I kind of see where you're coming from, why you wouldn't want to, to compete with anyone, and uh, isn't that what like we all want in, in our lives? Just not, not compete with everyone and just live happily. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I can also see the point of the uh, reviewers. So even though you don't want to compete, uh, you will essentially, like your tool, your baby, will compete because if we imagine a biologist with a you know gigabytes of data and uh they want to analyze the data and they have these tools available they have Bracken, they have Metaflan, they have Callisto, they have uh, some other tools um so naturally they will ask well what tool will perform the best for me what tool will give let's say the most accurate uh result now it's out of your control once you release the software, so the people will conduct this competition for you, right? And uh, and I think it's useful, even though you did you didn't uh, compare them, but we we can still talk about the algorithms. And just uh, looking at the algorithms, it seems to me that Callisto will it must be more accurate because otherwise it's it's doing pretty much the same stuff. So it's also uh, looking up gamers, it's also running. I think it has a similar statistical model. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's. It's probably not exactly the same because Callisto doesn't work off a Kraken database. But it's probably it probably has a, a similar um, statistical model. An obvious advantage that Callista has is that it doesn't operate off this intermediate representation. So it has access to the individual k 
So it, it simply has more data available to it. Whereas in Bracken, because of the constraints that you imposed on, onto yourself, you have to work off the data that Kraken gives you. And that data is very reduced because Kraken itself for every read, it knows where each camera maps, but then it collapses all the data into a single node in the tree. It just finds the maximum right. maximum path in the tree and it reports only that. So um, obviously you, you, you get much less data. It would be very improbable if uh, Bracken managed to be as accurate or even more accurate than Callisto, wouldn't it? So they did actually compare Callisto to Bracken in their final paper, um, which they did publish, I think, recently in July 2017 um, in bioinformatics. Not that I'm trying to promote their paper. Yeah, but they did they did do the comparison. So I think we'll even through reading through their paper and even a number of people that have um, tested the two against one another. I, I do think that there are similarities in in their algorithms and Callisto does provide more inform like more information to the algorithm but I think that that's what I would say is the main difference um, is that in theory providing more information to the algorithm would make it more accurate but I think it's also your you provide a trade-off then to your program in which if you provide more information, to the algorithm, you're hoping for more accuracy, but you're also um, using up more memory. And so I think that that's the main difference of anyone that I've ever heard trying to use um, Callisto for such um, metagenomic classifications or abundance estimations in that the memory differences between the programs is significant. Um, so I tried reading through their paper, and I don't really know how they ran Bracken. Um, the runtimes that they provide for Bracken seem fairly off to me because Bracken actually runs in less than a minute to the point where it wasn't measurable, but they claim that Bracken ran for much longer than that. And so I'm not really sure. In terms of the accuracy, it's pretty similar. In terms of the runtimes, they claim that Callisto is much faster, although I have no knowledge of how they ran my program. <laughs> um, and so I'm not really sure where their runtimes are coming from. Bracken itself runs fairly quickly. Yeah. Isn't that a huge problem in bioinformatics that every lab tries to show their uh, tool in the uh, best possible light? And so this runs a, b a bit counter to the yeah. spirit of science where we, sh we should be able to figure out which algorithm actually like is the best one, or at least even if there is no clear winner, we should we should be able to say that, you know, the scientific consensus, like we have scientific consensus that, uh, you know, smoking causes lung cancer. Uh, so in the same spirit, we should be able to say that there is a scientific consensus that this algorithm um, sort of consumes more memory, and this algorithm runs faster, and this algorithm produces more precise results uh, under certain conditions. But instead, uh, it seems to me that we're treating our tools more like like sa salespeople, right? <laughs> we we sort of right. sweep all the uh, downsides or deficiencies 
under the rug and uh I think that's why I find it hard to even compare myself or I guess my program rather to Callisto. And I think that that's also something that when I was talking to my professor about whether or not we should include the comparison information in the paper, I think that that's something that we definitely fought against because I think that yes reviewers want to know, you know, is this novel is this going to be better than what's out there? But I think for us, it's like, we're already biased, because this this is the program that I wrote. Um, And the people in um, Lear Pactor's lab are going to be biased, because Callisto is what they wrote. Um, And so I think that, like, what I've found, even at conferences, when people talk about their comparisons between their programs and Kraken or Bracken, all of us want to paint our own programs in the best light. And so... yeah. When we're doing comparisons like that, we're going to be biased. And I think that it's better left to a third party to compare them instead. Um, and I think that that's something that, like, I've definitely fought against because I can tell already the competitive nature of academia in only my first couple of years as a PhD student. Whereas I would prefer if other people tested and compared and made that decision for themselves. And someone already has for Kraken, where they've determined that Kraken's accuracy and speed um, and memory is better than most out there. Um, there are comparison papers for that already, and I'm, I don't want to rehash any of that. But I think that I would, like, even if I was a third party, I would trust a third party to make those comparisons rather than the authors themselves. Um, I think that I also would say that every program is only as good as its database. And I think that that's why I'm focusing on databases now. Because what I've also found is that you can construct a database that's going to be perfect when it's run on Callisto, but not perfect when it's run on Bracken. Um, And even when it comes to the two programs that came out of my lab, Centrifuge and and Kraken, like you can construct a database that's going to work perfect on Centrifuge and not so perfect on Kraken. Not by a lot of differences, but by enough that you could say that one is more accurate than the other. But I think that what I'm focusing now on and the reason for this is because you want to have the most accurate database to begin with. And I think that every tool is only as good as its database. And I think that that's something that people don't really think about when they look at the different algorithms because they're looking at what the program does and not what the program is actually operating on. Mm-hmm. So what is the state of Kraken databases? Does your lab maintain an up-to-date version of a Kraken-compatible database that like people could download? So we have a number of Kraken databases that we personally use, but they're far bigger than what we would provide anyone with. And so something to note is that when Kraken was first released, we were basing a, we provided a database um, called Mini Kraken that people could download. That was only four gigabytes. And it was based off of, at the time, what was in um, the bacteria, archaea, and viral RefSeq databases. Um, and so it was using all of those, um, not with any picking or selecting of which genomes. It was using everything from those databases. And so we're working on constructing a new mini Kraken database for download again. But something that we also noticed that So the databases can get quite large, depending on what you want to have in them. So Kraken is not going to be the tool that I would suggest to anyone, and neither Bracken definitely not, for 
someone that wants to be running everything against like the NT database. And so that's what Centrifuge was developed for. Centrifuge was developed to be able to have all of that information in memory. And so what we suggest to people instead is that they make their own databases, that they make their own Kraken databases and put whatever they feel they need and whatever they want in that database. And we just provide them with the simple, I would say, scripts to download them. Um, so we're currently updating everything from Kraken. And I, I will say that I am promising a new mini Kraken in the next two weeks or so. And then we also updated what the standard, uh, Kraken database is. And so if people just download the standard Kraken database, it will include everything from RefSeq, from bacteria, archaea, and virus. Cool. So I, I haven't heard about Centrifuge before. Is it a separate tool? Yeah. So Centrifuge is a separate tool. It's actually written by a couple of the, well, one postdoc in the lab, another uh, who used to be a postdoc in the lab, Daywon Kim, I think is the first author. Um, Florian Breitweiser is another author, and Lee Song is a PhD student in the lab, um, and he's the last author um, on the paper. And the three of them work together to create Centrifuge, um, which does similar uh, classification, but it uses a very different database, and so it uses an FM index instead of KMERS. Um, I think that Kraken and Centrifuge have different um, pros and cons to them, and I think that we, we actually use both whenever we're running any sample. Um, but I think that definitely the biggest pro I would say for centrifuge, if someone wanted to use that instead, is if you need a large database, um, because centrifuge has the ability to hold the whole NT database in it, um, as what it's comparing against, for example. Mm -hmm. And what is its uh, downside when compared to Kraken? So like, when would, would you use Kraken instead of centrifuge? I think something that we've noticed is that um, when it comes, I would, my postdoc Florian is going to be not happy for me to, <laughs> with me to say this. Um, so I think the first thing to note is that we actually, um, for a number of our samples, we prefer not to start out by running everything against the anti-database because it ends up with a lot of false positives just by the nature of the database itself, um, not by the nature of centrifuge as a program. Um, I think that it's, I would say it's been easier for me and it's more comfortable for me to create a Kraken database and run samples through Kraken um, and analyze samples using the Kraken output rather than to try to use centrifuge. And so centrifuge is really useful, but I think that anytime we've run it, it's given false positives, not because the program itself is faulty, just because it's using such a large database by default. I don't know if it used the same database, how, what the differences would be, because I've never tried to do so. Okay, got it. Uh, but how do you know those were false positives? Uh, because in your sample, presumably there may be some contamination, there could be anything in there. And so uh, how, how do you decide what to include in your uh, Kraken database? The samples that we were using um, to that I was running were cornea samples that we have um, where we know what they are, where um, where we know like what the infection actually is. And so uh, a lot of what I've been doing lately is trying to make a database of eukaryotic pathogens, which is accurate. Um, because when we started doing cornea infections and analyzing cornea infections, um, we 
found that a number of the bacteria, well, a number of the pathogens that infect corneas are not actually complete genomes at the moment. Um, so what I was actually testing, I was actually testing samples from corneas that um, a collaborator of ours had. These are not for many patients, but they have very specific infections. And so when we run them against centrifuge, it gives us so much information about everything that it thinks that's in that sample um, to the point where it's not necessarily useful because the database is so large and there's a number of false positives. So what we have also found in terms of what's in um, those databases is that there's a number, there's there's contamination in the sample, sure, but there's also contamination in the sequences themselves. Um, and so even I would claim that a number of the genomes in the NT database have human contamination in them. So there's human DNA in those genomes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's where a lot of our false positives stem from. Because then if something gets classified at a very specific level at one of those genomes, it just so it will choose that genome over human. And what we we don't want to consider um, any classification where it might potentially be human, um, because we are not in a lot of our samples. We don't care about the human DNA. We care more about the microbial DNA. Okay, interesting. Is there anything you would like to? share with the audience maybe about your uh, future plans what are you working on yeah so i just i guess i'll put this out there i'm actually very soon going to be releasing a eukaryotic pathogen database which we have cleaned through a number of cleaning steps and this is meant to be a database where people with samples that are potentially eukaryotic pathogens where they can run it against it and be confident in, in what they find. And so previously, there's um, these were all draft genomes. These were 250 eukaryotic pathogens um, genomes, but they were all in draft form because they have not yet been completed. Um, and I, as people in the field know, draft genomes just have a lot more contamination. And so what we decided to do is instead of waiting for the various different labs to complete these genomes and finish removing any contamination and combining them into one single um, genomic sequence. What we wanted to do is provide, um, is clean up these genomes. And so we've actually just finished working on that. And the paper is in pro- uh, process of being written and will be published soon. Um and also in terms of the software side, I do want to say that we are updating Kraken um, for all of the Kraken users out there. And mini Kraken, we will have a new one in the next couple of weeks. Um, and Kraken version one is currently out there on GitHub. Cool. Uh, well, Jennifer, it was uh, nice to talk to you. It was great talking with you too.